the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's how much he loves you. He places a value on you and me that is incomprehensible. All because of his love. We don't inherently have that value. We have it because he places it upon us. Because he loves us that much. In light of that, shouldn't we see the one who is perfect and true as our inheritance? Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses had been giving a series of final speeches unto the children of Israel. He urged them to love God supremely, to follow His word and obey His commands, even after they have entered into the Promised Land. Moses reminded them of God's faithfulness over the years, how He had provided for them, and even dealt graciously with them when they had sinned against God. Moses also gave them many warnings to keep God their focus, to trust and obey Him in the good and bad. Moses has been teaching the nation a song to remind them of who God is. It started with a call to worship and then listed six attributes of God's amazing character. We join Pastor Will in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 5. In contrast to God's awesome character, God's people, Israel here, they have exemplified something horribly different. For in verses 5 and 6, we see three attributes of man, and they're not anything worth singing about. He says in verse 5, in contrast to how he's our rock, his work is perfect, they, referring to the people of Israel, they have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he your father that has bought you? Has he not made you and established you? That sounds like a Z88 hit, right? This is amazing grace, but you've all corrupted yourselves, right? I I think we should run with it, you know? Corrupted themselves means they've ruined, they've destroyed themselves. Is there a better description of humanity than we bring ruin upon ourselves? I mean, seriously. It blows me away. It shouldn't because I do the same thing. Like every time I get critical of somebody else, you know, you kind of hear the Lord in the background going, you ever get that? I get it frequently with my kids. I'll say, how many times do I have to tell you? And then the Lord, oh yeah. We have the ability with all this technology, and it's only getting crazier with what we're able to do. One would think that with all that technology that more good would be done, that we'd save more life, that we would find ways to be kinder to each other, that we would find ways to have more peace in the world, whatever, less selfishness, less whatever. The same technology that can let us know what the weather is 
Let us know what's going on in the world. Warn us, you know, if our flight's late or whatever, is the same technology that can ruin a marriage because it brings filth into your mind and into your eyes. The crazy thing is that when it all comes down to it and the Lord says, okay, fine, you don't want me. Let's see how you do on your own. And he lifts his hand and the church is removed and the Antichrist steps onto the scene and they'll have their man. The the world will finally have their man and they will rally behind their man. We don't need God. And the Bible says that the world will bring itself to the brink of extinction, to the brink of wiping ourselves out. (laughs) We bring ruin to ourselves. That's why we need Jesus. God put Adam and Eve in this amazing place and said, there's only one thing you can't do. That's how you'll make your choice of whether you're gonna love me or whether you're gonna love yourself, whether you're gonna follow me or whether you're gonna follow yourself. One thing. And they blew all that. They basically ruined all that. For what? Because she looked at him and she's like, looks like it might make me wise. Looks yummy. I mean, I, I critique, but again, I do the same thing. You know, our, our lovely hospitality people decide to tempt me every week with dainties. And I do the same thing. Looks yummy. And in the back, my God's going, no, don't do it. But it looks yummy. Like that's a good reason to eat it. We've been ruined upon ourselves. Interestingly, next it says, their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse generation instead of being his children. In other words, their state of shame is not being his sons because they're a perverse generation. In other words, they show the exact opposite of God's character. They twist and they deviate from God's standard in order to fulfill their own desires. And thus, they're not his kids. We, by nature, twist truth and reality to meet our own aims. And so we'll We'll call things like an immoral relationship a marriage. We'll call things like an immoral relationship love. Well, I've said enough on that. The third thing he says is we are unthankful by nature. He says, do you thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is this how you're going to pay God back for how good he's been to you? Is not he your father that bought you, that birthed you, that created you? Has he not made you and established you? Now, for Israel specifically, God was the one who birthed their nation. He's the one that brought them out of Egypt and into this land. All of that was done by God. They didn't do any of that. But once they get into the land, they're going to forget God. And they'll twist away from God's standard and bring ruin upon themselves. And the thing is, I can do the same thing. Sometimes I think, at least for me, the most dangerous thing is ease for me. You know, it's like when I'm on the edge and I've got to like trust God for something because like I can't do this, I tend to read my Bible more. I tend to pay attention to the voice of God's spirit better. I tend to try to cling to him more closely. But Israel, that's where they were in the wilderness. They're like hanging on to God. They're like, we we can't, we don't want to be out here. But then they're going to get into the land. Life will be good. The bills will be paid. The spouse will be happy. And then it will start with the little things. God will call them to take a step of faith. He'll say, listen, I know that there's people with iron chariots in the hills, but you gotta drive them out. Otherwise, there'll be a thorn in your side. And they look around at each other and they're going, bills are paid, got this nice place to live. Spouse is happy, got a good job. Crops are coming in. They're in the hills, they're not bugging me. It starts with little things. God calls us to take a step of faith, but we shy away because we don't wanna mess up our good life. Then it progresses from there to slacking or straight out ignoring God's direct commands. And then before you and I realize it, we're off the path and living for ourselves all the while wearing his name. And that can't help but lead to a destructive crash at some point. We must never forget all the Lord has done for us. Amen? I mean, amen means it's true. We must never forget. 
must never forget all the Lord's done for us. We need to cling to him. You know, if you see a command in his word, obey it. Don't wiggle out of it. Don't ignore it. And if God's calling you to take a step of faith, don't, don't worry about how uncomfortable it will make you. I can promise you it will probably make you far more uncomfortable than you're worried about. People are going, what? I don't understand that. What did you say? God doesn't tell you how uncomfortable it's going to be because you'd never do it then. You'd never step out in faith. So I promise you, whatever you're worried about, it'll be worse. <laughs> but it'll be okay. Because as you cling to him, you rest in him, he'll bear you up. He'll bear you up. These verses five and six are certainly a depressing contrast to God's awesomeness in verse four. And the song isn't designed to depress us. It's designed to prevent us from getting to this place, from forgetting God, or to show us the way. The song is designed to show us the way to get back if we've already forgotten the Lord. So what is the way back? Look at verse seven. He says, remember the days of old. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. When the most high divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He says, remember the days of old. Consider, it means realize again the years of many generations. The way back when you've kind of started to forget God or if you started to slack on his commands or you're not stepping out in faith anymore because you don't want to rock the boat in your own life or maybe you're just downright disobedient to the Lord right now. The way back starts by realizing anew and afresh all that God has done for us. And I love what the song Moses says here. He says, if if that doesn't move you, you remembering, then go to someone more mature in the faith. Go to a father in the faith. Go to an elder in the faith and ask them. Because when you're off the path, you need to do whatever you need to do to reignite your heart. I know for me, a lot of times when I'm just kind of blasé in my love for God, the Lord will send someone into my life someone who's excited about the Lord, someone who's just learned some, you know, some new truth that maybe I already knew, but you know, it's exciting to them. And I see their excitement about it. And I kind of just, I'm like, man, what is up here? That's, that's how I should still be. Cause the, the truth hasn't changed. Is it just cause it's not new anymore? It's not fresh. And it challenges me to reflect on it again and to remember. And then it reignites my heart for the Lord. And I love here in particular Moses sings, they need to focus on how God chose them and then rescued them from their sin. He said, when the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam into all the nations. We see that in Genesis chapter 10, I believe. He set the bounds, the borders of each of these people groups, each of these nations. He says, according to the number of the children of Israel. That's interesting. He says, even though Israel was one of the smaller nations, he says he set the boundaries starting with Israel. Israel was a small nation, so they didn't, they didn't need all of Europe to settle in. So God gave them Canaan. And the decision of where every other nation's borders would be revolved around that, where Canaan was and the land that God gave to Israel. Now think about that for just a minute. That means if you're God's child, that God orchestrates everything around you to get you where he wants you to be. Isn't that mind-blowing? That's awesome. I mean, I, I mean and, and I should know that already. It's not like it's a, oh, wow, Pastor Will, you just said something that I've never known. Like how many times in our lives have, has God come through for us and we can see his hand working everything out long before we even knew we'd be in this mess? 
You know, in Ephesians chapter one, verses three through five, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But then it goes on and it says this. It says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Do you realize how much God's done for you? I mean, he's gone far ahead and set everything up, orchestrated everything up so that you would be exactly where he wants you to be. Now, why would God do that for us? Well, Moses tells us, verse nine, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. God views his people as his inheritance. That is, that is incomprehensible to me. I mean, Paul kind of confesses so when he says, my prayer for you is that you would know in the unknowable love of God is what he says. He, he says, you know, the length, the breadth, the height, the width, all this kind of stuff the, of the unknowable love of God, that you would know it. What a weird prayer, huh? I want you to understand as much as possible what you can never understand fully. The Bible says that throughout eternity, he'll be showing us his grace. Another page of his grace through all eternity. We'll never fully understand it. But this is so hard. Like when the will is read, God gets me. Like you ever, you ever watch a show where the will's read, you know, and somebody misses out and you see their face just kind of, like that's, that's what I would imagine, you know, when the will's being read and it's like, and Lord, you get, you get will in the will. I would imagine, you know, if I were the Lord, I'd be like, is there anything else there? Does he come with any extra things? What does he own? He gets me? When he excitedly pulls up to the property that's in the will, it's me? Here's this great thing that I got in the will. Real, really, honey? Yeah, it's great. Why don't you come down and see it? Let's go see it. They come down and see it. There it is. Me? That's how much he loves you. He places a value on you and me that is incomprehensible, all because of his love. We don't inherently have that value. We have it because he places it upon us, because he loves us that much. In light of that, shouldn't we see the one who is perfect and true as our inheritance? Well, as the congregation sings and ponders God's love for them, the song leader recounts the beautiful relationship that Israel had with the Lord. In verse 10, he says, you know, he, God, found him, Israel, in a desert land, and in the waste howling wilderness. And he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. God took Israel from the wasteland. He found him in the wasteland and took him to the promised land. He said, as an eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, takes them and bears them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead them and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. And he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. I told you it was a rock song. Butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat. These were all delicacies in that day if they're not whetting your appetite. When you did drink the pure juice of the grape. You know, God took Israel from the wasteland to the promise and he found them in the, the desert, the wasteland with howling beasts. The image isn't pretty, lonely, desolate, impoverished. Kind of where you and I were without Jesus, right? That's where he found them. And then he the Bible says he led them about. It actually means he surrounded them or shielded them. And then he instructed them. It actually means he took care of them. 
and he kept him as the apple of his eye, the pupil of his eye. And how about you? When something's flying around my eye, my eye is shutting because I don't want anything getting near it. You know, I protect it. I have instinctual things that I don't even have to do that my body just says no, no access to that thing. It's important. When God entered into his relationship with Israel, he shielded them from danger. He took care of their needs and he guarded them like a rare treasure. And in this, the Lord was like a, a parent eagle with their babies. He, as the eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, as the babies in an eagle's nest, as the eaglets, as they grow and, and they become more coordinated, they become curious about what's outside their nest. And because their wings aren't developed, that's not very safe for them. If they fall, they will likely die. So the parents, you see them constantly as the, the eaglets are getting older and they're bouncing around and starting to bop up on the edges. They, they keep reinforcing and building the nest so that the boundaries you know, are, are safe to keep them from taking a nosedive. They hover over their young constantly. Now, I have to say this. There is a Christian teaching out there of how eagles eventually kick their babies out of the nest and then as they're trying to fly and they're plummeting to their doom, the eagle swoops up and catches them on their wings until they can fly on their own. I understand it makes for a good message. However, I don't know if you've ever witnessed or verified any bird of prey doing that in nature. Because if you have, you would be the first. They don't do that. If an eagle falls out of the nest, an eaglet, they leave it there to die. That's how the wild works, all right? That's why we are different than animals, okay? They don't just swoop down and catch it. The, the eagle's wings aren't designed. Most likely, if the eagle did that, you come and they jump, the guy jumps out and, or kicks, kicks them out. Oh, he's not flying. If the mama, mama eagle swore underneath there and the eagle fell and plummeted at that speed onto her wings, probably crushed her wings. They're not designed to catch a, an, another animal unless it's Lord of the Rings. In addition, I personally believe that interpretation of this passage of he spreads abroad her wings and takes them and bears them on her wings is actually unbiblical because God never calls us to fly on our own. The whole dog idea of this teaching they'll say is, you know, God will do that until you know how to fly on your own and you can soar on the winds. I don't read that in the scripture. <laughs> I read that he carries me every step of the way. Every step of the way. Now, what does this mean then? Well, this verse is constructed with two halves. The first half describes what the eagle does. The second half, what God does. So as the eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, God spreads abroad his wings and takes his people and bears them on her wings. That aligns up with verse 10 and verse 12. He shielded them, he guided them, he protected them, and then he carried them to the promised land. You know, what's interesting is there's no her. If you have a King James that says spreads for abroad her wings, there's no her and spread abroad. Spread abroad is masculine. So just like the eagles hover over their young and protect them, God hovered over Israel, took them out of Egypt, and carried them to the promised land, as verse 12 says. So the Lord alone did lead them, and there was no strange God with him. Verses 13 and 14 speak of God bringing Israel into the promised land, that wonderful, prosperous place as confirmed by the spies. God did all these things for Israel, and they trusted in his protection alone. They were his portion, and he was theirs. As Israel would sing these words, so the song leaders leading them in this and urging them to pay attention, urging them to receive the instruction, they're hearing about God's character, seeing their own character, being reminded of how God took care of them and protected them, and how in the past they trusted him. It was meant to have a profound effect upon them. 
If they were being tempted to go astray, all that God had done for them was to reignite their hearts, to love him, and that would banish that temptation as a foolish notion. If they had already gone astray, it was meant to break their heart and to call them to repent from that present foolishness. And so I guess I would ask you tonight, what effect is this song having on you so far? You know, if you're not where you're supposed to be, this song is designed to remind you how awesome God is, how much he loves you, that he can take better care of you than you ever could. You know, it's not that the eagle kicks her chicks out of the nest or the eaglets out of the nest. It's that we tend to get curious and we try to look beyond our borders, look beyond our boundaries. And when we do that, we get into trouble. So why not stay where it's safe? You know, I tell my kids, and as the worship team comes up and we close tonight, I tell my kids all the time when I'm disciplining them, I say, listen, it would be much easier for me not to have this conversation with you right now because you don't want to hear what I'm saying at the outset because it's going to have consequences associated with it. I say, but I'm saying this to you because I want you to have a good life. I want you to know that there's safety in boundaries. And just as there's safety in in mom and dad's boundaries, there'll be a day when mom and dad's boundaries won't be there for you. And you'll need to trust and know in your heart that there's safety in God's boundaries and have him govern you, his boundaries govern you and keep you in that place of safety. You know, God is, everything he said to us, he said to us because he loves us and he wants us to be blessed. So let's take heed, let's stay in the boundaries knowing that he can take far better care of us than we can, amen? Let's all stand. Lord, we thank you for this song of warning and exhortation. We don't tend to sing songs like that a lot, Lord. But we thank you for this one because it does challenge us, Lord. It does instruct us. It does warn us. And and it does stir some things up. It does bring to the forefront maybe some attributes of yours, Lord, that you never make mistakes, that everything you do is perfect, that you don't sin, you're not a hypocrite. You don't ask us to do anything either you haven't already done or you aren't doing. And so, Lord, when you say, follow me, and that place leads to a cross, we know you've been there first, that you laid your life down first, that you put others first before you called us to. So Lord, help us to, Lord, if we're tempted tonight or we're struggling to, your character, let that banish those temptations as foolish thoughts, Lord. They would see the great value of your boundaries and following you. And Lord, maybe if we're in a place we shouldn't be, that who you are and what you've done for us, that it would just break our hearts now and we would say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm coming home. Take me in those wings again. Bring me to where I'm supposed to be. I trust you. Lord, as your people are praying and calling out to you in whatever way it is in their hearts, hear their prayers and answer them, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We should recognize who God is. He is our rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just and right. He is a God of truth. God is without sin and not a hypocrite. There is no one like our God, and we must remind ourselves often of who He is and all that He has done for us. He is truly worthy to be praised and worth our time and devotion, and we must remind ourselves often of who He is and all that He has done for us. He is truly worthy to be praised and worth our time and devotion. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800.
during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.